Today's message is titled, Four More Defining Words. Last week, I brought a message on three defining words for uh, 2020. And so today I've titled it, Four More Defining Words. And you see the three we dealt with last week, truth, obey, and humility. Um, Those are three words, among some other words that God had given me early in the year. As uh, I say early in the year, I mean early, right right at the first day or two of of the new year here. Uh, in my personal life, some things I wanted to focus on. I wanted to focus on the truth of God's Word. I need more of God's Word, not less. I need more truth flowing in my heart and mind and veins, not less. And then that truth um, uh, turns into obedience. I just don't want to know the truth in my mind, but I want it applicable in my heart and in my hands and in my feet. I want, I want to be able to live the truth of God and obey what God's saying. I want to do what He says. And then the spirit of humility as we live out our Christian faith. I want to walk with a humble spirit um, and uh, not be full of pride and full of arrogance where we think we have all the answers and we think we know everything and we can't be used of God. You know, in our study that we've studied for years now with our men over and over, the man that God uses, we talk about about, uh, there are some men that God can't use, uh, that God won't use. And one of them are, are, are men who think they know best, men who are arrogant, men who think they have a better plan than God. And none of us as human beings, as Christians, should ever get to that point in our walk where we think we know better than God. We think we've got it all figured out. Now, I may not have it all figured out, but I know that He does. And I know that His Word has the answers. But I'm to walk with a spirit of humility and live with a spirit of humility in my life and be willing to learn some things. You know, it's funny because I learned something yesterday that I didn't know. Uh, Our granddaughter, Braylon, uh, well, our three grandkids spent the weekend with us. Primarily, Penny had the the rough part of that job. And uh, uh, they, you know, they take my place in the bed and I have to leave and I have to go in the other bedroom. And uh, for a a year or so, I thought, you know, that was kind of, uh, I kind of felt bad about that. They want to be with their gee more than they want to be with their pops. And then I realized, you know, all the sleepless nights that Penny has when they're there. And I'm like, oh, that's a blessing. So let Penny have that job. So we had them for the weekend. And, um, but Braylon, eight years old, she taught me something that I didn't know. And, you know, Braylon, her mother is an LSU fan. Her father is a FSU fan. She became a Gator fan on her own. Now, hold on. I didn't tell you the whole story now. So... About a year and a half ago, two years ago, man, I did everything I could to break her as a Gator fan. And, I, man, we would talk smack in the car and all of that, and she could, she could talk it with me. And last year before LSU came to play the Gators, she goes, hey, Pops, I got something for you. And I said, what's that? She goes, you know what's going to happen when LSU gets to the swamp and plays the Gators this coming Saturday? And you know how many points they're going to score? You know what it's going to sound like? And I'm like, no, I don't know what. And she goes, wah, wah, wah. (laughs) I mean, she was talking smack to me. But all of a sudden, LSU has this big year, and her mama watches LSU football and watches Joe Burrow and all of that. And now she's become an LSU fan. And this morning she was telling Brother Eric, she goes, Gators, that, that, that. And I was like, now come on, babe, you can't just switch like that. And, and uh, Eric's like, yeah, she jumped in on the bandwagon, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I, I figure she is. And she told me yesterday, she goes, uh, hey, Pops, 
She goes, did you know they started playing, LSU started playing football in 1890? And I'm thinking, I didn't even know football was invented in 1890. And she's like, yep. She goes, see, I study things like that, Pops. I like history. And I'm like, holy cow, 1890. And it's true. Right around 1890, somewhere around that time. And, uh, and so I learned something new. And so, you know, I mean, here she is going to school me on LSU football. And she did. And so I want to have a spirit of humility as I walk in this life, you know, and uh, because I can learn some things from even an eight-year-old. And, uh, and so that we're supposed to have that. So I want to talk to you about four more defining words. And here's the thing. I wanted to start today with a new series. And my, our staff knows about it. I sent them a text this week on Thursday, and I'm just like, man, y'all please pray for me. I kind of got like writer's block. You know, I'm at a point where I know I need to preach a series in the Bible, but I don't know which one it is yet. And I'm sitting here trying to study and work through it all, and I just, I can't get anywhere. I mean, I can, there's, I got 66 books of the Bible I can choose from. I got all this scripture. I can go anywhere, but I need to go where God wants me to go, and I don't quite have that clarity yet and I know what it looks like I know what it feels like and I don't have it and um and um one I think Jen sent me a text back saying you just trust God God's going to give it to you got and she says you got like two more days left and I went two more days heck man that's like no time you know to develop it but she was right and so Saturday morning I got up and 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 I, I laid this message out but I only had three words instead of four words I had three words then I went and mow the grass, and I'm um, like, well, I'm going to just have to take it week by week. And I was, I was mowing the grass, God gave me a fourth word, and he put word number three and word number four together, and he gave me those two words, and then it made all sense to me. And I woke up this morning, and I was, I was going over the Scripture and putting some added Scripture into the message early this morning, and it hit me exactly what I need to do. And so we're going to start a series next week on the book of Acts. I'm not going to tell you what we're going to title it yet because those are my last two points today. So the last two points of the message today are going to kind of be like a foundation for next week in, in studying about the book of Acts and about what God has done there and the birth of the New Testament church and, and the early Christians and some of the disciplines they had and, and why it matters and why we should be disciplined in those areas today. And then how God worked in their lives and how the gospel went from just, you know, the Jews to the Gentiles to people who were not Jewish. That's you and me. And, and we're going to see all of that and how God worked in the lives of people in a mighty, mighty way. But before we do that, I want to give you these four defining words. I don't have a main passage of Scripture today, so we're going to take it point by point here. So the first word I want you to see today is the word faithful. It's the word faithful. Now, we talked about truth, obedience, humility, but it's the word faithful and how important it is for us to be faithful Christians, faithful in our walk with God. So look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 says. The Bible says here, This then is how you ought to regard us. Paul is speaking here to the Corinthian church. And he says here, As servants of Christ. It's the first thing he said. As servants of Christ. I want, I want you to see us as servants of Christ. Not leaders. Not over you, but we're your servants, servants of Christ. And as those 
entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Notice the key word, entrusted. God's given us a trust. He's given them a trust, okay? Now, he says, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. What is a trust? Well, in ancient times, a trust was a a, a position of stewardship. You were a steward. A steward was a servant in the house of the master. And he was to be a faithful steward. No matter if the master was there, he he was to do his work as though the master was looking at him at all times. And there's a story in the Bible about a... uh, uh, a faithful steward and a wicked steward. And the faithful steward was the one when, his, when his, um, his master left and he didn't know when his master was coming home. The faithful steward stayed focused on the task as though his master was there. And so when the master came back, he found his house, he found his compound, he found the trust that he had been given to be just like when he had left. But then you had the unfaithful steward who... When the master left, oh, he said, oh, my gosh, the steward is, I mean, the master is gone. I'm in charge now. So I'm going to, here's how I'm going to deal with this. And he beat the other servants, and he mistreated them, and he wasn't faithful. And the master came back at a time he wasn't prepared and found his house in disarray and found his servants beaten by this steward, and this steward was sent off to be beaten himself, and he was called a wicked servant so we have been given a trust as christians we've been given the trust of responsibility we have this beautiful treasure this beautiful salvation this thing called christ that we have this thing called salvation we are we are christians now and we individually are entrusted we corporately as a church are entrusted with something very very valuable and we have to be proven by god to be faithful it's not an option we must be faithful now what are some practical ways that we can be faithful in life well number one you're married you have committed yourselves to a covenant and you've committed yourself to be faithful when i do a wedding one of the things that i make sure we say now you might say it's just formality it's not a formality to me when we are are, are doing the vows and even if if they say their own vows Um, I make sure that somewhere in that wedding service, if they don't use some key words, I make sure that those key words are said and the couple acknowledges that and the people who are there acknowledge that. And one of them is, I promise to be faithful to you. Faithful. So long as we both shall live. And those are the vows that we take in a marriage. And I have to be faithful in life we've been given a trust so in marriage i've been given the trust of my spouse and we have a covenant relationship and i'm going to be faithful to her so long as we both shall live that's the commitment commitment we make it's the same thing when we have children 
God gives us the gift of children. We are entrusted with them. To be real honest with you, they don't belong to us because if they belong to us, we could keep them for us, with us, and make them do what we want and keep them for the rest of our lives. But they really aren't ours. We're only given them for a little while, and God's entrusted you and me to raise them as skulls, little skulls full of mush and little hearts who have their own independence and who are born with the sin nature. And God has entrusted you and me to raise them and to train them in the admonition of the Lord. And we've got to be faithful with that, right? What about a friendship? We're to be faithful with our friendships. Now, now that doesn't always mean what we think it means but it means that you know you should be able to count on a friend at all times may not always say what you want the may not always do what you want but you know that they're there for you faithfulness means something but you see y'all there's something even far greater than all of those things it's the commitment that i made to christ when i gave my life to him now, let's go back to marriage for a moment. Can you imagine if you were on stage and you're getting married right here in this building and the pastor, I'm standing up and I'm reading all of this and I say, um, um, you know, I, Corey, take you, Penny, to be my wife. I commit myself to your happiness and to your self-fulfillment as a person. Uh, I promise to love and honor, trust and serve you in sickness and in health in adversity and prosperity, to be true and loyal to you, to be faithful to you. Our entire lives, except one day a year. I don't know about you, but if I would have said that to Penny, Penny, Penny would have said, it's over before it ever started. Get out. No, 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 no. I promised to be faithful to you so long as we both shall live, right? That's what we say when we get married. But yet in Christianity, we give our lives to Christ. And we may say we're being committed to you, Christ, but what we do is we allow ourselves some days of unfaithfulness. And if we would never, ever think to say in a marriage ceremony that, you know, I'll be faithful to you 364 days out of the year, but one day I can do what I want. We would never think of saying that. We would never look at that as, as something right. But yet in our Christianity, we think it's okay sometimes. I'm not saying everybody feels that way, but sometimes people do that. And so a word, a concept, a spiritual principle is faithful. I want, to be fa I want to be counted on by God. I want to be dedicated to Him. You know, the Bible talks about in Ezekiel that God was searching the earth, looking for men who were faithful, men that He could depend on, men that He could give a, a God-sized task to. Faithful. You see, before you can really be faithful to another person, you've got to learn to be faithful to God. 
And when we're faithful to God, when times are tough, I'll tell you what, for some people, it's harder for them to be faithful to God when things are really good because then they don't need God anymore when things are good. Do you rely on Him when things are good and do you worship Him and He has a place in your heart and does He have your time when things are good? So it is required among stewards, among servants. That's what we are. We're His servants that we be found faithful. God, may I be found faithful in 2020 to the things you've called me to do. May I be found faithful serving you, living my life, <clears throat> even when times are dark. May I be found faithful when the, when the valley of the shadow of death comes near me. Will I be found faithful? Now You know what the Bible says about those two servants and stewards. The faithful servant, the Bible says, that your Lord will say to you, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest of your Lord. That's what we, that's what we as Christians should strive for. We should be able to see the end of our days in such a way that one day I'm going to answer to Him and I'm going to have to face him. And I'll never have another opportunity to live this life over again. And so I'm going to take advantage of what I have and I'm going to be faithful. Okay? Let me give you the second word or the second principle here. And it's the word thankful. Thankful. Now, we just came out of Thanksgiving. But I want you to see this. Look at these scriptures here. Colossians 3, 15 says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. So notice, notice the beauty here. Let, pe let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So when it rules, you realize that you're called to peace. And then be thankful. And then be thankful. When you and I think about the things that we complain about in the United States of America, other Christians in the world would look at us as though we're out of our minds. We let a dead battery ruin our world for a week. And you've got a majority of Christians that live in the world that don't even own a vehicle. We let traffic mess with us. We get irritated if the, if the message goes too long, maybe. Not that any of you feel that way. I'm kind of preaching to the choir here on that because y'all stay and y'all are very respectful, even though I know I'm putting you to sleep at times, but you do it, and I, and I honor you for that, and I thank you for that. Maybe I should preach a short sermon to honor you for that one day. But anyway, when there are people in all the parts of the world that just getting up in the morning on Sunday and traveling to their place of worship they take their life in their, their own hands and they want to get there and make it alive and stay there all day long. We need to be thankful. Put it in perspective. I mean, Shane and Jen can tell you they just came back from India. You know, there's, it's a complicated place, right? And I say that with all due respect to you, Jennifer, because that's your homeland, but it's a complicated place. 
And there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad, just like here in America. But, but there are people in abject poverty and there are Christians hanging with the, with the sentence of death upon their lives. Look at what Colossians 4.2 says. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful. And notice the underlying spirit we have to have here, being thankful. Having a thankful spirit is part of the everyday repertoire of a Christian. And in Hebrews 12, 28, the Bible says this here. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Let us be thankful. Thankful. Oh, to be thankful. <laughs> oh, man, this week, you know, um, I don't know what, how you watch television. Um, we, we unplugged. We got rid of the, you know, we used to have direct TV for a long time, and we've gone to the, uh, to the um, streaming-based thing. So we, we've got something called, we used to have direct TV now, which is different than direct TV, and now we have um, uh YouTube TV. It's different than regular YouTube. It's YouTube TV. And you got, you know, ABC, CBS. You got some channels and all of that. And, um, man, I was watching something about uh, college football the other day. And all of a sudden, and now, now when I'm watching TV, tell me if you don't do this. I got my cell phone. I'm watching TV. And I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm reading some article. I've got this, but yet I'm watching TV. I'm, I got the whole thing, all this media going on. I'm checking all this stuff out. I'm interested in this, 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 and that. And, uh, and I'm looking at all that. And all of a sudden, Wi-Fi just dropped. Just poof. And Penny was in the bedroom watching TV over there. And I go, hey! You got internet back there? She's like, no! I mean, like we're in a storm or something, you know. And Can you see the next big wave coming? No, I can't see it. I'm like, what are we going to do? And I start fidgeting and doing everything and unplugging this and plugging that and unplugging this and all of that. And I can't get nothing to work. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? I mean, it was 830. I still got two and a half more hours here to do nothing. And I don't have Wi-Fi. What am I going to do in this life? And I was getting aggravated. I was watching some college football stuff about LSU. And now I'm missing it. And oh my gosh, what's happening? And I was starting to get air, uh, irritated and aggravated. And, and I was just, and I was going to walk over to the church to see if the church had it because the church and the house are on two separate things. And I was going to come sit in my office and watch stuff. 30 at night. And God just began to deal with me and said, you really can't live without Wi-Fi? How'd you do it before, buddy? I had a conversation with my granddaughter yesterday. We, 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 we went on a date, Braylon and I, eight years old. You know where I took her? I took her to the other side of Gainesville to a bait shop to buy some minnows. I said, you want to come with Pops on a date? Yeah. Where are we going? I said, we're going to buy some minnows. Uh, yeah, I'll go with you. And we're having all this conversation. I said, and uh, we got talking about modern technology, about Wi-Fi and not having it and all that. And I said, do you know something, young lady? I said, Pops can remember a time 
when we had phones that hung on the wall, and it had this lever that it would, it would, it would hang on the, the thing. You know, we do this now, you know, as, as the universal sign for telephone, but the modern generation doesn't know what this means. And I said, we didn't have buttons to press. We had a dial. You had to dial it and go to the little thing at the end and then let it go. And then dial it and let it go. And then dial it and let it go. And you had to do all that, right? I know there's some of you here that remember Morse code. That's how you got around, you know, with Morse code, right? Brother Bill, you know, and stuff like that. But, and then, and then remember, you remember the telephones, Brother Bill, where you had to, you had to put it next to your ear, had the little, oh, hello. Or, you, no, you speak in there and you listen, you put the thing on the ear. And I was telling her about that, and I said, let me tell you something about, about that phone, Braylon. When you had that phone, that phone did not take pictures. You couldn't take that handle like that and, and grab it and look at it and go, hey, let's take a selfie here, you know. You couldn't do that. She goes, you couldn't? I said, no. Yeah. I said, I remember the first cell phone I got. It was a bag phone. You plugged it into a cigarette lighter into the car, and you, you only used it for emergencies because it costs a lot of money to have a two-minute call. Bag phone. Then I said, I remember when I got my first phone that, that, you know, you could clip to your side. And I said, you couldn't text? You couldn't take pictures? She goes, yeah, she said, how did you take pictures back then? I said, with a camera. (laughs) So we started talking about all that. And we start talking about being thankful. And I said, so what we have to understand, honey, is that whether you have Wi-Fi or not, that, that's not what our lives are made up about. It's supposed to make our lives better or what have I don't know if it makes it better. It makes it easier in some ways and it makes it more complicated than others. But we need to have a spirit of thankfulness and realize that some of the things that irritate us, that aggravate us, are not really problems at all okay so those first two words faithful thankful let me give you a third word okay now i want you to focus in on on this third word and the fourth word it's the the third word is the word powerful okay powerful as we're going to 2020 powerful look at what acts chapter 1 verse 8 says okay acts 1 verse 8 so jesus says to them Right before he ascends into heaven, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power (laughs) and you're going to be my spokesmen. You're going to be the ones that are going to go out and, 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 and spread the good news, the gospel. I mean, we're talking about fishermen. We're talking about people who weren't high in society. I'm going to use you. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Powerful. Let me ask you something as we go into 2020. Are you tired of being beat down by your circumstances and being weak to what's happening to you? 
Are you tired of constantly giving in to temptation as though the temptation is more powerful on you than the Christ who lives in you? Are you frustrated with your fragile spiritual walk sometimes? I know I get that way. And I, as I read Scripture, I realize that I don't have to be that way. That I have power, heavenly power from God to do what's right, to be faithful, to be uh, um, uh, forgiving to live out the truth, to obey God. I've got power far beyond my own ability. I mean, the God who created the universe lives within each and every one of us through His Holy Spirit. And He's telling them, you're going to receive this power like you've never seen before. Case in point, He's talking. Peter, who not long before that, said, I'll die for you. And even when they came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he took his sword and he cut a dude's ear off. And Jesus took the guy's ear, ear and he put it back on his head and he healed him. I always wondered if that soldier became a Christian and believer in Christ. I don't know if he would have, if he did, but I know I would have if I saw that. My ear's going, ah, it's back. Awesome. Uh, but Peter then, not long after that, denied Christ. Denied Him. And here they are, a group of believers, scared. Christ rises from the dead. He's giving them instruction. He tells them to go, wait, I'm sending the Helper. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, on the day of Pentecost, the day that the church was born, God used Peter to preach the first Christian sermon on the day that the church was born, and thousands were saved. And when you look at the content of that message, which we're going to do in a, in a few weeks to come, you'll see the power behind that. So here was a man who was so timid that when push came to shove, he went the other way and he denied Christ, but yet, here, God forgave him, God empowered him and used him, and that timid little fisherman was the one who God used on the day of Pentecost to birth the New Testament church. Powerful. Powerful. Then I want to give you the last word here, the fourth word. It's the word impactful. It's the word impactful. Now, I have Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Because it says here, you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. You're going to make an impact. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You. I will use you. You're going to make a difference. You're going to make an impact. Look at what chapter 3, verse 6 says. It's just, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because um, I want to preach a whole message on this passage in chapter 3. And we're going to do so as we start study the book of Acts starting next week. But it says here, about the man at the gate beautiful who you know was crippled and he was begging for alms and that's what he did every day his family or whoever would bring him and lay him at that beautiful gate to the entrance of the temple and he would go alms alms and he would just beg and beg and beg and peter said to him silver or gold i do not have but what i do have i give to you in the name 
of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And we know that it wasn't just a physical healing that took place in that man's life, but it was a spiritual healing because then he was able to go into the temple and he was leaping and praising God. Their message had an impact on that man's life, right? You find somebody who's lost without Christ, maybe uh, has has been um, overcome by addiction in some way, or maybe has gone through a lot, or maybe, you know, their their spouse has left them, or maybe... um, uh, maybe one of their kids has, has broken their hearts, or maybe they've been through, I don't know what it is. Whatever life can throw at you, you find people and they're broken and they're devastated and they're doing destructive things with their heart and their mind, their soul, their bodies, and they're not, they're, they're not heading in the right direction. And then they encounter Christ, and all of a sudden from the inside out, their lives are changed forever. That has some impact on those people. And as a pastor for 35 years, I've seen it time and time again. And I'm looking at people all across this building today whose lives have been impacted by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your lives have been changed. You've been impacted by somebody who invited you to church. You've been impacted by somebody who was living it and said, look, I'm not perfect, but I know the one who is, and I know the joy that he can bring to your heart, and I know the forgiveness that he can bring into you, and I know how he can change your life, and you could be on the road to proper living and proper behavior if you'll give it to him. And I'm looking at people all over this place tonight, uh, today, this morning, and I see the power of God, and I see the impact that Christ has made in you and the impact that you make on other people. I don't know if you do this, but I do it. And I do it periodically, some days more than others, some Sundays more than others, but today in particular, I had my two grandbabies with me today, two of them, and so when Brother Eric says, time for children's church, you know, and you know, uh, Katie, bar the door, watch out. They're coming. And I was just struck today at how many kids we had just running out of here, just going to children's church, going to do their thing, going, you know, and, and, and I'm thinking, every one of these children, the Word of God is being sown into their hearts. The seed of God's Word is being planted. There's no guarantee they're all going to live for God when they get older, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'll take my chances by pouring the Word of God into their hearts. And it makes an impact on them. So as we go forward, I don't know what the title of the new series is going to be. I I just got it clarified this morning what I needed to preach on, the book of Acts. Uh, But it's kind of going to go like this. How can we make a powerful impact on the world? How can we as a church impact our community? Yeah, believe it or not, you know, we're not a mega church. But in the last couple of weeks, simultaneously at the same time, we had a group of people in the panhandle doing ministry, helping to rebuild homes for people who lost their their homes in Hurricane Michael a year and a half ago. 
And at the same time, we had four people from our church who were in India, on the other side of the world. In this little bitty church, Jonesville Baptist Church, we had people in India on the other side of the world. And we had people in the panhandle of Florida. And then the rest of us were here, there, or wherever we were. And God was using us to make an impact. A powerful impact. So as we move into this year and as we start studying the book of Acts, I I want you to, to join me in seeing the active, powerfully impactful movement of God in the lives of people. I believe with all my heart, based on the Word of God and what I know within my spirit, God's not dead. He's surely alive. And He's still working in people's lives. And He's still taking dead men and women and quickening them and making them alive. He's taking confused people and He's bringing clarity to their hearts. He's taking brokenhearted people and He's giving them a reason to live. He's taking people who have no more joy and He's putting joy back in their hearts. I got to watch something this week. As you know, Dr. Tony Evans is the pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas. When I went to school in Dallas, Texas in the early 80s, um, he was a regular feature, featured speaker at chapel, so we got to get kind of close up to him with, you know, about 200 of us and him. And uh, he would come and preach to us quite a bit, and a tremendous man of God. And he was married to a godly woman, uh, Lois, his wife. Uh, she's 70 years old, and she been fighting cancer here for the last year or two and she passed away she moved from this life into the next and her son jonathan go look it up look up um jonathan edwards eulogy go look it up you won't regret it our men watched it the other night it was a clip of about four or five minutes where he gave glory to god for what his mama went through. And he said, you know, while he was in his pity and in his difficulty dealing with that, God began to speak to his heart. And began to basically say to him, where were you when I sent my son to die on the cross for your mother so that she could live and be in heaven forever? Woo! And man, he talked about the powerful impact that she had in their lives, and how they have to keep on living. they got to keep on moving, never give up. Y'all, we have been honored today to have a special person to walk into our building as I was preaching. And um, uh, it's one of my, my dear friends that God blessed me to get to know these last few years. His name is Mr. Joe Clark, and uh, he's back there. How you doing, Mr. Clark? It's good to see you. Mr. Clark, if you don't know who Mr. Joe Clark is, I'll tell you, he's a living legend. He uh, was a principal in Patterson, New Jersey, and the movie Lean on Me was about his life story. Remember Morgan Freeman, the actor, um, um, depicted him in in the movie. Um, He was chosen by President Reagan to be the education secretary, uh, and uh, he chose not to accept that, but... uh, he, um, you know, living legend, and he's, he's here with us. And I remember years ago when he visited with us one Sunday, and I asked him if he would speak, I think it was on a Panther Sunday, and if he would speak to some of our young people here. And I'll never forget his words that day. Uh, you know, he said a lot, a lot of things, um, and 
the man is brilliant, and uh, I had to go back and look up some of the words in the dictionary. But um, a tremendous educator, but a man with a lot of passion. And, uh, but this is the one thing I'll, I'll never forget he said. He goes, whatever you do, young people, never, ever give up. Never give up. Wake up each day and live for Christ and live your best life. Never give up. And it reminds me of what we're talking about here. As long as we're on this earth, we have an opportunity to make an impact and to be powerful people because of what God has done in our lives. And never give up as long as you're breathing, no matter how painful you've gone, the things you've gone through, you never give up. And I, and I haven't asked his permission to say this, but I'm going to ask for forgiveness right now before I say it. But, you know, uh, his dear wife, how, how many years were they married? Were y'all married? Forty years. She passed to go and be with the Lord a few months ago. And uh, he drove up one day to, to tell me. And um, I saw how brokenhearted he was. And the pain in his eyes. But I could also see something else. I could still see the man that God has been using all these years to impact lives and to change lives. Yeah, we're going to go through a lot of things. And it's going to hurt. But as long as we're breathing, God's not finished with us. And He can do something in our lives through us. And you know, just continue to use Mr. Clark's example. His children have done amazing things. And every time I see him, he makes sure he tells me about them <laughs> and about his wonderful children. And his wife is still making an impact in the world through the legacy that she has left. So y'all, it's not just about while we're living, but it's the legacy that we build that continues to make a powerful impact on people's lives long after we're gone. That's what I want us to look at in the next six to eight. It may take a year to preach through the book. But we're going to take it verse by verse, and we're going to see the powerful impact that God made in people's lives in the book of Acts. You think of the stories of a jailer who was saved in his entire family. We think of someone who's, who was raised from the dead. I mean, we think of the man that we just read about in chapter 3. We think of Nicodemus that Jesus talked to who later God used in a mighty way to keep the authorities from harming the disciples. We'll learn how they met on a regular basis and what they did when they met. We'll learn about prayer and how prayer did, um, how in their prayer time God did amazing things and He shook the ground beneath them and He got people out of jail. We're going to see how the gospel spread and how an impact was made in the lives of the Gentiles 
which we are beneficiaries of today. So I want to share those four words with you. And in the process of preparing this message today, God finally, in my struggle of the last month, got me pinned down to a series. And I believe it will be powerful and impactful in your life. I hope that as you move into 2020, that you realize that. You're powerful because of who's in you. You say, I don't know about that. Oh, I do. Greater is he that is where? In you than he that is in the world. Let me ask you this. Do you think Satan is pretty powerful? Uh, he is. And as a matter of fact, let me correct you on something if, if you have the wrong thinking. Never, ever pray to the devil. You say, well, of course not, Pastor. No, 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 listen, listen. You pray to him when you tell him stuff like, now, devil, I'm not going to let you do this to me. Huh. You don't do business with him like that. The Bible says when the angel was uh, contending with Satan for the body of Moses, he never once had a conversation with the devil. What he said was, the Lord rebuke you. Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. I don't have to fight the devil on my own because I don't have the capacity to defeat him because he's a thief, he's a killer, he's a destroyer. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. But I tell you what I do have. I have Christ who is in me. And the devils, the demons tremble at his name. And the lake of fire was created for the devil and his minions and his angels. I got Christ living in me, and I can be powerful through Him. And God can make an impact through my life, through your life, because of who is in us. Okay, that's what I got for today. Let's stand, everybody. <laughs> Father, we are so grateful. to be able to open up your word and to see truth, to be challenged with truth, to be comforted by truth, to be convicted by truth, to be encouraged by truth. Thank you for speaking to us today through your word, through music. I pray that we would today... Prepare our hearts for an impactful and powerful year. And however you choose to move in each individual's lives, Lord, that's going to be your, your business. But I pray that we would see your powerful hand. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. So guys, with our heads bowed, Christians, I'm going to ask you, those of you who feel led to do so, to come to this altar and pray for our church to be a mighty church, to be an impactful church, to, 
reach out to our community and to our world, wherever God opens those doors. This year would be a year of breakthrough for us like we've never seen before. Would you pray for me as your pastor? I've been here almost 25 years now, and I'm not resting on my laurels, and I'm not looking the coast on the, at the end. I, man, I, I feel like these are the best days of my life. Pray that God would inspire me and use me each and every week to speak truth. And then when the enemy comes to discourage me, to get me to want to lay down and quit, that I would realize that I should never, ever give up. Would you pray for me today? Pray for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ as they go out in this mean, hateful world and deal with reality each and every day. Boy, if you've never given your life to Christ, that power over death, hell, and the grave can be yours. That power to be forgiven. That power to, uh, to have peace. Whew. It can be yours. And it's freely given. You have to receive Him as your Savior today. I'll be standing right here at the front if you want to come and pray, talk about that. However God leads you, let's have this time as we sing. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.